Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And I want to talk to you about a case that is so creepy and mysterious. It has literally inspired some nightmares in my life. It's so strange. And as we move here into the winter months in the northern hemisphere, it seems like an especially fitting time to reflect back on this and think about it. It's known to historians as the Diet Law Pass Incident. That name, Dyatlov, is spelled D-Y-A-T-L-O-V, the Dyatlov Pass Incident. Now, Dyatlov Pass is in Russia, and this incident occurred in the dead of winter in February of 1959 in the Ural Mountains of Russia. Now, we're talking about some of the most snowy, rugged, remote terrain you can imagine. And you'd have to be crazy, really, to put on a backpack and, uh, you know, get your skis and go trekking off into the middle of this on a giant epic trip right there in the, in the middle of winter. But that is exactly what 10 people did in 1959. All of them were students in their early 20s. And they were all trying to get some kind of like level three certification as a hiker skier or something like that. Perhaps that's something you could turn into a job. But uh, it was the the, the trip was organized by a guy named Dyatlov. And so that's why to this day uh, where this incident occurred is uh, called the Dyatlov Paz. So there were 10 of them. I believe there were eight men, two women. And they they took trains and uh, and horses and all kinds of things to get up there before they even started the hiking skiing part. I mean, again, this is really really in a deep remote area. And there was one guy who got sick along the way, and uh, he was just heartbroken. He had to turn around and go back, and he was the lucky one because all the rest of them, all the other nine, would die. You see, as they set off on this trek into the mountains, and by the way, I'm not a scholar on this, so I'm not going to promise you I have all the little specific details right, because there are a lot of them, if you want to look at this whole thing forensically. But when they set off, I mean, they, you know, they had a certain schedule of when they were supposed to hit such and such village or such and such telegraph or whatever, and uh, and they were going to you know send messages to keep the people back at, in civilization informed, and nobody heard from them for a while, and so finally a search party was sent out, and when the search party got there, it found that right off the bat uh, their tent was in shambles, and the the most frightening thing about finding the tent was that uh, all their belongings were inside in in nice order, just like they'd gotten up and left in a hurry. And they obviously had, because the investigators could quickly tell that the tent had been cut open from the inside. They didn't go out the front for some reason. They cut the tent open and got the heck out of there. And um, then you could see their, their footsteps leading off in various directions toward the the woods on the side. 
and some of them were barefoot. Okay, now there's no telling how much snow there was on the ground. This is in the middle of the night uh, out there in Russia. I don't know, well, well, well below zero Fahrenheit. So they're they're running out there barefoot. Some of them just had socks. I think there was evidence that one person just had one shoe. And uh, then uh, they they found that there was like a small campfire off at the edge of the woods. Um, But then they saw that just kind of around the area, they they started discovering the the dead bodies. And I'm talking, these bodies were very uh, underdressed. I mean, terribly inadequately underdressed, especially for these these experienced hikers who you know were who had done this kind of thing before i mean this they were going for their their level three final certification the highest certification for being a hiker skier so they were no new puppies to this and so they found uh, all nine bodies eventually six of them they concluded had just died of hypothermia but the other three had sustained significant trauma you know physical brute force trauma to their bodies and one of them a uh, a woman was missing her eyeballs and her tongue and so um in fact i'm sitting here right now looking at some of the information about this and you know the russians they investigated this as thoroughly as possible they put their very best people on it and ultimately, after studying everything they could, could study, um, they concluded that, and this is a quote, they concluded a, quote, unknown compelling force, end quote, had caused the deaths. And so, you know, what does that mean? An unknown compelling force, Right. Uh, so many, many theories have been put forward over the years, uh, animal techs, uh, avalanche, government experiments, you know, the first thing that they did was they were able to rule out that there were other humans that had come in and attacked them, um, because they could see again, like the footprints and all that kind of stuff. And there was no evidence of that. Um, as far as avalanche is concerned, uh, they claimed that there, this was not an area prone to avalanche. And they did find, however, that when they started, you know, looking at the footprints, they claimed, the investigators claimed, that even though they were poorly dressed, very poorly dressed, um, it didn't look like they were fleeing in terror. And and but you know I'm not sure we can trust that analysis of the footprints because it it was you know weeks had gone by, more snow had fallen, things get melted and all that. So I don't know how much you can trust that because they obviously left in a hell of a hurry to cut the tent open, and 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 leave that way, and then not even dress properly. So clearly they were in a hurry. You know I mean it's now they they claim that some of them were intoxicated. Which, you know, not a surprise. They're Russians. I'm sure they're nipping the vodka there. Um, They also found, weirdly enough, that at least a couple of the guys had uh, an excessive amount of radioactivity on their clothes. Uh, Now, granted, those guys had apparently worked uh, at some kind of facility where there were 
some radioactive materials around, so that could possibly account for it. But when you start trying to, to like figure out, okay, why didn't they just go out the front door? You know, why did they cut this thing open? Why did they go running out and uh, and and not go back? You know, not go back. It, like, like if, for example, if they thought it was an avalanche or, or or something like that, well, they would be like, okay, well, it's over. Let's go back and get our shit. You know, let's put on a coat and everything, get our food. Um, there was no logical reason that they would have left in such a hurry, in such a state of disarray, and then gone off, and then uh, and then not gone back, you know, to get the resources necessary to survive. Now, you can imagine, like, okay, they're confused, it's dark, uh, some of them are drunk, uh, whatever, but they had enough sense to get together and, and start a campfire. But here is the really, really creepy part, okay? Now, again, this is 1959. So many of these folks were carrying cameras with them, and they were snapping off pictures along the way. And so the investigators retrieved their cameras, and when they started looking at their pictures, they found two outstanding images. Because most of them are just, you know, Happy people having fun going out into nature doing what they love. But then you have these two that really are different than the rest. One of them is a picture without any kind of context that shows what appears to be a little wooded area, we can presume right near their camp, where there is a dark figure standing there that looks a lot like some kind of a creature and I mean like a yeti and as a matter of fact there there was a whole tv program done about this this theory that this is a yeti now you can look at it and uh and I'm I'm going to look at this picture right now while I'm talking to you you can look at this and you can say oh well you know this is just uh a person Wearing a uh, wearing winter clothes, wearing a mask and a, and a and a coat and pants, but I don't know. I gotta tell you, I'm I'm dead serious when I'm looking at this picture. And again, all you're seeing is snowy trees, and this figure has snow up to its knees. There's something about its stance and the way the picture is being taken that makes it look like some kind of a creature. I swear to God, its head looks really big, its shoulders look really broad, its arms look kind of like are, like they're swinging in a weird motion. I swear to God, this really does look like some kind of a creature. And it, it's the creepiest thing to think, like, just, you have no, nothing but pictures of people having a good, happy time with smiles on their faces, and then all of a sudden, there's this. So you get the impression, like, well, obviously somebody noticed something weird happening around the camp and took a picture. And this figure is not like right up there in front of the camera posing. This almost looks like this figure is in the background kind of poking its head around like it's sort of slinking around, you know, and just trying to, to see what, what, what they're up to there. I mean, I'm telling you, man, it's one of those things like this can... I'm I'm kind of getting goosebumps looking at this picture right now thinking about what happened to these people so there's no explanation for this picture 
showing what looks like this figure lurking on the outskirts of their camp in this very weird state where he 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 almost seems like he's trying not to be noticed but somebody noticed him but if that weren't enough okay as if that weren't enough the last picture that they were able to retrieve from these folks and of course because they were able to go through and you know do the best they could to figure out how many pictures were taken and what when you know coordinate this picture was taken when that picture was taken so apparently as far as we know the last picture that was taken is a picture that was obviously taken at night and it is some kind of strange light in the darkness it is a light well I can't tell if this is one light or two lights. It might be one, because if you look at it, it's a black frame, and it looks like there's one light in the middle that has a slightly octagonal shape. And then off to the left side of the picture, there is like this almost a a repeating streak of some kind of light sort of swooping down from the left. So I don't know if that is an optical effect created by one light or if we're looking at two lights, but obviously something happened in the middle of the night, the blackness out there in the middle of nowhere, where there was a light. And it was significant enough and special enough for someone to go out and take a picture of that light. The last thing that we see here. So we have these folks who who are dead and all these weird arrangements again one of them is missing eyes and and uh missing a tongue what happened i just to make sure that i'm getting the facts as um correct as possible i want to just read to you this little section from the wikipedia article the wikipedia article um where they talk about the uh the search and and rescue operation here Okay, so it says, well, search and discovery is what it, what it really was. Um, it says, before leaving, Dyatlov had agreed he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group returned to Vizhai, some town. Uh, it was expected that this would happen no later than the 12th of February, but Dyatlov had told Yudin, whoever that is, before his departure from the group, that he expected to be longer. Okay, so Yudin's the guy who left. Uh, when the 12th passed and no messages had been received, there was no immediate reaction, as delays of a few days were common with such expeditions. It was not until the relatives of the travelers demanded a rescue operation on the 20th of February that the head of the institute sent the uh, first rescue group's Okay, so anyway, it says, On the 26th of February, the searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent. The campsite baffled the search party. Uh, The student who found the tent said, The tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty, and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Investigators said the tent had been cut open from the inside eight or nine sets of footprints left by people who were wearing only socks a single shoe 
or were even barefoot could be followed, leading down towards the edge of a nearby woods on the opposite side of the pass, which is almost a mile to the northeast. However, after 1,600 feet, these tracks were covered with snow. At the forest's edge, under a large Siberian pine, the searchers found the visible remains of a small fire. There were the first two bodies, shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. The branches on the tree were broken up to five meters high, suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed up to look for something, perhaps the camp, or maybe he was trying to get away from something. That's what I'm adding in there. Uh, between the pine and the camp, the searchers found three more corpses uh, who seemed to have died in poses, suggesting they were attempting to return to the tent. They were found separately at distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters from the tree. Searching for the remaining four travelers took more than two months. They were finally found on the 4th of May under four meters of snow in a ravine uh, further into the woods from the pine tree. These four were better dressed than the others, and there were signs that those who had died first had apparently relinquished their clothes to the others. And then they talk about uh, the clothes that they were wearing. Uh, it says a legal inquest started immediately after finding the first five bodies. A medical examination found no injuries which might have led to their deaths, and it was eventually concluded they died of hypothermia. And then it says an examination of the four bodies which were found in May shifted the narrative. And uh, they talk about one of the hikers had uh, major skull damage. The two other had major chest fractures. According to this doctor, uh, Boris Vosrodzini, the force required to cause such damage would have been extremely high, comparing it to the force of a car crash. And notably, the bodies had no external wounds related to the bone fractures, as if they had been subjected to a high level of pressure. And then, of course, we go on to the lady I was telling you about. Major external injuries found on Dubinia. I guess uh, Dubinina, I think that's her name. Who was missing her tongue, eyes, part of the lips, as well as facial tissues, and a fragment of skull bone. She also had extensive maceration on the hands. She was found lying face down in a small stream. And so some people have said, well, maybe uh, her eyeballs and tongue and all that were gone just because of putrefaction. Maybe. I don't know. But still, I mean, nobody's been able to really explain where all this, you know, what, what this compelling force was that created all this physical trauma. Now, I recently watched a video on YouTube where a guy was trying to come up with his own theory. And he said that he thought that maybe they had um, some kind of a stove that they put inside the tent. And that um, at the middle, in the middle of the night, uh, the tent uh, filled up with carbon monoxide and they couldn't go out the front entrance because the stove was near the front entrance. So they slashed open the side and then they they walked out and uh, they were disoriented. So they tried to make it to the woods where they could build a fire and stay warm there. Um, some of the group 
went into a different direction and they got to an embankment and the embankment collapsed and uh, they got the the, the trauma and the fractures and they died and then everybody else just froze to death. That was his theory. But the problem is, there's there's actually a number of problems. If there's a stove that's getting out of hand, then you'd think that there would have been more evidence of some kind of perhaps fire inside the tent. Uh, also, if it were something that simple, they would have understood what was happening so if they walked outside I think they would have walked outside long enough to get the stove under control and then go back in uh, I, I don't see why that they would have gone off into all these other directions and um, and you know built a campfire and and ran around barefoot and all this I mean that doesn't make any sense so you can look at just the way their bodies were found, the, the state, the condition in which their bodies were found, and you can try to Columbo this shit, you know, and try to figure out what may have happened, you know, the chain reaction. But when you throw those photographs into the picture, you throw those photos into the mix, completely out of place looking images that are striking and creepy as hell i'm talking about the kind of stuff that you'll once you see especially the one of this figure looming on the edge of the woods you're never going to forget this image when you consider that that image that figure was standing there and then we have this light that was the last picture they took some kind of a light in the in the darkness uh, there was something more happening here. And look, I have read a lot of the theories about whether or not this could have been, you know, they, the, the Russians were doing some experiments and they got caught up in it, or, um, you know, could, could this have been, again, some kind of a human attack or some kind of animal attack or, you know, an avalanche. I mean, you, but none of these things add up, especially when you consider how perplexing those pictures are which are really I think very significant clues because those pictures tell us a lot about the things that they were paying attention to enough to document like what was it that piqued somebody's interest enough to be like I need to take a picture of that and and you end up with this you know again yeti like weird looking creature or, I mean, figure, okay? Maybe you'll look at this and you'll be like, ah, you know, it just looks like a, a dude in a coat to me. And then the very last picture before all this havoc is discovered is this strange light that appears to be coming, approaching from perhaps the, the sky. If you want to see these pictures, and surely you do, go to my Twitter account, Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren. If you go to at Joshua P. Warren, I will have those two images posted for you. Now, I will tell you that if you want to see pictures of some of these dead bodies, they're pretty graphic and disturbing, but they're out there. Um, and so if you just go to uh, Google and you do a search for the uh, Diet Law of Pass incident, then you know you'll be able to see some of these uh, images that don't do really much good other than just show you a dead frozen person but they're still very grim so I have thought about this mystery and um, 
I've thought about it a long time in many different ways, in many different contexts. And I got to tell you, my friends, I cannot figure it out. I don't know what happened. I think something freakish happened. I think that there was something of the most terrifying order that happened that was so terrifying that everything they knew about their training just went out the window. And I know, like I say, some of them had been drinking, but that does not explain this, okay? That does not, not by a long shot. These are these are Russians, you know, they're, who go out and hike around in the snow. They're used to, you know, throwing back a few shots of vodka. That's not going to make you leave your your coat and your shoes and everything behind and make you go storming out there in knee-deep snow in the middle of the night and not go back to the tent and get your shit. That's not, it's not going to, there's no explanation for that. This was something extreme. This was something truly amazing and horrible and terrifying that, uh, I mean, again, it's hard to imagine what it was. So, I'm all ears to hear your story about this. I mean, look, I wish that I could come on here and be like, all right, folks, here's my explanation. Here's my theory about what happened. But no, I don't know. That's why I'm bringing this up to you. I, as soon as I think like one theory might make sense, then all of a sudden there's another variable or two where you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't explain this or that. you know. So you really have to sit down and do your best to... Uh, Again, you know, look at this as a forensic investigator. Sherlock Holmes the hell out of this thing. But you're not going to be able to do it, I don't think, unless you at least take into consideration these two freaky photos that were that were made. Because that tells you something about what was sort of building around them. What was starting to, you know, accelerate up until something terrible broke loose and um i just can't think of a logical scenario in which this could have occurred to these folks without there being some kind of truly uh horrific almost you know supernatural if you want to use that word uh type thing that that exploded on onto their existence so this is just another little mystery for you to think about. If you want to give me your thoughts, again, I'd love to hear them. Go to joshuapwarren.com, joshuapwarren.com. You can scroll down there, and you'll find my email address, and you'll also find the section that leads you to my Twitter account, and that's where you'll see where I've posted these these pictures. And you take what I've told you and what you can learn on your own, and um, and you just, you know, you look at those pictures, and you tell me, if you think that you have a good solution for what the hell happened to these folks. Um, People enjoy going to my website and emailing me because I read every single one of my emails. I don't always have time to respond to all of them, but I do read every single one. And in fact, uh, here's a nice one that I want to give you as an uh, an update. I got from uh, a gentleman named Dominic who lives in the UK. Uh, because on my website, joshuapwarren.com, I have a curiosity shop where you can buy all kinds of cool, rare, exotic stuff. And uh, one of the things we have there is Shelley Wright's Money Potion. And uh, we we have, I think, only a handful of those left. But he wrote me this message. He says, uh, Dear Joshua, I had a go with Shelley Wright's Money Potion. And uh, he says, As usual... 
each year I apply for money from the local council um, for the Adobe Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator subscription fee, which costs near 357 pounds yearly. Now I looked that up and that's about 455 American dollars. That's expensive for a piece of software or two, isn't it? My goodness. Uh, He says, for the last few years, they have only given me half the money required with the explanation that funds were tight. Well, curiously, this year, still in a world where funds are continuously being said to be tight, this morning I've just found out they have given me the full money. And my little world, that's disturbing enough to leave me and perhaps a few other people I know locally quite shocked. (laughs) Many thanks, best wishes, Dominic. Again, that's uh, a gentleman in the UK. Uh, I love getting that kind of feedback, and I get it on uh, a daily basis. So, again, I hope if you visit joshuapwarren.com, you'll go to the Curiosity Shop. See what I have there. It's rare stuff, and uh, it's still not too late if you want to get something We'll be able to get it to you by Christmas. And while you're there, click the link to this podcast. It's always short. It's always free. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. And if you click the link to the podcast, you can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet when a new one is available. So I look forward to you seeing these images and giving me your feedback through the website. And uh, I think that's going to do it for today. So thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.